Hello, everyone. Happy to bring another episode to you on the podcast. This time, Rafael Tudela, a newbie TapeCon employee, but under two years old at the company. Really happy to have him on. He's employee, the second employee that we've had on the podcast. But with his uh, electronics, electrical engineering background, he shares a lot of insights of you know traditional electronics versus his experiences as uh, working on projects for us in flexible hybrid electronics. We talk about demonstrators and the value to create validated reference designs to short circuit the uh, speed to market of new products and just some educational insights of Raphael's journey from, I'll say the um, educational world into the industrial world and some of some of his experiences through that journey and, and curriculum and some different things on the electronic side. So hope you enjoy. Without further ado, bringing you Raphael, a Tapeconian, here into the podcast. Thanks. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Better Product Solutions podcast. Excited to have Tapeconian number two in the podcast. So if you remember in a previous podcast, if you listened to it, we had Dave Shoemaker, who was, you know, like a 35 plus year tenured employee at TapeCon. And uh, this time I'm really happy to be inviting Rafael Tudela on the podcast, who I'll let him kind of give his own intro, but I would say he's more on the spring chicken side of the business, uh, under two years old at TapeCon. But uh, with his background, really excited to have him on our team and wanted to bring him on to talk about some uh, really cool things in flexible hybrid electronics, some different things that he's been working on. So Rafael, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. And um, you know, I'll put you right on the spot, Rafael, and um, you've you've um, jumped right into our organization doing some pretty cool things, but your background is really cool. So if you could tell us about yourself your role at TapeCon and your, uh, your official title, Applications Engineer, but I feel like you're wearing a lot of different hats right now. So welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, my background's in electrical and electronics engineering. Um, I spent the, you know, my, my short-lived career um, mainly on the electrical side and now have hopped back over to the electronic side. Um, and the difference between that being electrical is more dealing with the bigger power um, whereas electronics are dealing with the smaller, the smaller components and smaller power. Um, so glad to be on board. Uh, definitely learning a lot new things, a lot more new things, and uh, enjoy doing it. Uh, I, as an applications engineer, I handle a lot of the customer designs, um, but also I'm kind of one foot in the R&D aspect of it as well. I think you get to claim you get to claim the first employee hired like completely virtually, you know, because we started doing virtual right. interviews and everything like that. I remember it was like all on Microsoft Teams at that time because it was like in the heap of all the COVID stuff. So congratulations on having that, I guess, feather <laughs> in your cap with the first virtual employee. But um, I you didn't mention your double major, and I I remember. Um, you know, with your background being both electrical and electronics, um, maybe you did mention it, but can I guess, can you highlight that a little bit? I mean, why did you pick, why two, you know, why a double major of electrical and electronics? I'm not complaining because I love the background. <laughs> yeah, so with, with any sort of engineering, you got pretty much a broad landscape and you can land on your feet anywhere. Um, so I, I was, I've always been interested in tinkering with things uh, and, uh, you know, electricity has always seemed like a magic smoke to me. So I, uh, I chose electrical and electronics engineering, um, one for job security. Um, 
I feel like I don't have to worry about that, that end of things. And also, uh, you know, the different avenues you can go, there's no, you're not set into one direction. Um, and you know, as clearly shown here is I coming from electrical background and then coming into electronics. Yeah. And, and, and we're going to talk all things electronics, but on the, so you've been introduced, you know, coming into our organization, obviously we've been doing what I'll say is core printed electronics work for a lot of time for a long time in terms of our memory switch keypad user interface stuff but we've kind of thrown you into the mix of really being charged with um this flexible hybrid electronics category and challenging some of our current capability and and translating some things so can you talk about some projects that you've been currently working on related to you know not only just the regular i'll say printed electronics but also the flexible hybrid electronic side or maybe even talk about the difference yeah for sure so just to give a, a general definition flexible hybrid electronics um i'll say it as fhe um is is a combination of printed flexible circuit with uh hard state components on it um so technically tapecon has been making fhe since the 90s um you know with our membrane sw switch keypads um, but I would classify those as almost uh, on the, the lighter side of the FHE because they, they have resistors, buttons, and LEDs, whereas the, the FHE that we look at today are, in, are housing IC chips as well and capacitors and transistors. Um, so uh, with the TapeCon core business, our, our main focus is membrane switch, uh, which is a printed circuit with the buttons and the LEDs. Um, but our newer development that we're looking at is going to be a much more advanced uh, version, um, be able to be like a self-sustaining device or a, a sensor of, of sorts. Um, so it's really exciting stuff there. Uh, one of the projects we're working on is a stick-to-skin uh, temperature sensor, which is going to be completely wireless um, and, you know, tell, tell uh, either a data pool or an individual their temperature. Yeah, and I'm glad that you said self-sustaining because I know I mentioned to you how I was at that um, innovation summit in New York State, you know, a few weeks back in November, and I was at that in a panel about flexible hybrid electronics and, you know, talking about, um, and one of the points in the panel was about how Moore's Law, you know, which, to, I'm going to probably say this wrong, but semiconductor chips, you know, just completely like doubling in computing power in this Moore's law that kept, you know, doubling and doubling, doubling, but they're now starting to feel like it's slowing down. And, and so this whole chip capacity being now people were talking about this concept of uh, to make sure I get this right, distributed, distributed computing. And so when you say self-sustaining, it just makes me go back to that comment where I'm just excited how the opportunity to build smarter, flexible hybrid electronics that have, I'll say, that can supplement the computing power limitations in the ceiling that that people are running up against with uh, just the microchip itself and relying on one entity. Sorry if I stole some of your thunder there. No, but um, you know, I, I uh, a question on additive versus subtractive manufacturing, and I joke because when we give student tours in here, I joke and say we've been 3D printing since 1919 because we've been, you know printing for a long time, but how do you, um, how do you see the difference, you know, in terms of, do you consider yourself like I've entered a company, I'm now an additive printer, uh, but then um, that's one thing, but then you having an electronics background coming from school, there's the whole, 
additive versus subtractive processing in traditional rigid circuit boards. Can you speak about where you see the difference and what the pros and cons are? Yeah. So in schooling wise, the only additive manufacturing processes that we had available to us were 3D printing. Um, so that'd be just your classic PLA plastics or ABS plastics, nothing to do with conductives or graphics or anything. Um, so when we were building uh, circuit boards in, in school, we're, we're using the traditional uh, redactive or, or reductive process um, to etch away the uh, the layers until you have the copper the copper traces and whatnot. Um, when it comes to doing additive versus subtractive manufacturing, uh, there's two big, big things involved. So one is the cost. Um, instead of a customer paying for an entire entire block of copper that's gonna be etched away, they're now only paying for the amount of, what we traditionally use as silver, um, silver traces. Um, so that's a, the big thing, a big draw for customers is it's a lot cheaper than, than you would uh, of a traditional board of the same size. And the other thing is sustainability. Um, so I, I also come from a, a, a almost a certificate in, in sustainability side of things where, um, you know, we got one world and it's not going anywhere. Um, so to be more sustainable is uh, a big draw. And that's what drew a, lot, a, a big draw for me to come to TAPECON was uh, their awards and sustainability. Um, so with this, again, we're not using harmful chemicals to, to create the, the circuit, um, it, which is why most of our circuit boards are overseas because of the strict uh, EHS guidelines that we have here. Um, some of those chemicals can't follow that. Um, and then as well as the waste is, is a lot less because you're not taking away, you're adding to it. Yeah, and I, and I, I like to think also that because we're additively printing on, you know, a portfolio of films, right? There's innovation in the, you know, casting of those films, or, or I should say just the creation of those films that can introduce properties that, I don't know, it can be a little bit more innovative in a solution as opposed to maybe a one-size-fits-all FR4 board, and I've always heard FR4, but I don't even know what FR4 board is. You know, I don't know what the what it actually means, like what the F and the R stands for. I just think FR4 board, but it always seems like the same base material for a rigid circuit board. Is that? Am I simplifying that too much, or is that? No, kind of, no, that's right. You know, the the different letters and numbers just mean thicknesses or how many layers are on there. Um, so FR4 board is pretty standard across the industry for. Uh, yeah, but it's it's different stuff. than maybe maybe thinking about you know the various polymer attributes that could be in a film that could then contribute to the overall performance of of yeah. that additive process right whereas right. it seems like with that fr4 type you have you have restrictions or maybe there's just a, a, a set number of choices and then that's kind of it right right and and when you're talking like fr4 or pcb um you know you're you're limited to to whatever you make it on whereas with the additive process and the substrates you can add another substrate you can put adhesive on the back you can have substrates that are dielectric on their own. You can you can have all these different capabilities and and uh, just by adding a thin layer of film or printing right onto that layer. Yeah, for sure. I in, in it, it's almost like well, I'm going to move into this question on on demonstrators because I when you have all this, I guess you, you, we can replicate and we can make samples. You said you're working on you know the the one stick to skin sensor project. 
and ultimately you know you're learning all about uh, i'll say the technical the technical challenges to translate a rigid design into a flex type design but at some point creating a demonstrator really can be beneficial and i guess you're right in the center of creating a demonstrator that could be used to you know showcase i'll say the technical feasibility of the technology um where do you see i guess the value of a demonstrator and um what's what's the benefit of having it and what's is it worth the effort you know creating the demonstrator if you know that we might not you know be selling that demonstrator but it's more of just kind of like a sales sample or sales demonstration yeah so I, I, I've been saying that, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words, a demonstrator's worth a million. Because um, if you can put put something in the hand of a customer um, that works, as it's essentially almost a, a glorified prototype that's not for sale, um, then they can see the functionality, they can see what it looks like, um, they can compare it to what they currently have. If they, they may not even realize that they needed something like this or even thought of this as an avenue, um, you know, most, if you're not in the electronics realm, you, uh, you'd, you'd think that all circuits are on one hard piece of plastic versus being able to have flexible circuits like this. Um, and I, I'll mention like in, in schooling, all we did was on hard PCBs. There's, there wasn't anything directed toward FHE. You know, maybe if you were going for your doctorate in highly specific field there, but you don't know what FHE is. And, and I, I think that you know by producing these demonstrators, not only FHE but other membrane switches and uh, and whatnot, that you you realize that there's valuable and uh, really really good good pieces of information on it that you might not have realized that was there. Um, for instance, uh, just in house, we're, we're redesigning a tape dispenser uh, for one of our brands that we have, um, and originally it's got all these components. It's got the, what's called a seven segment display, which is a, a series of LEDs, kind of like your old fashioned alarm clock. Um, and then it's got some push buttons. Um, and then it's gotta be cut out of the uh, stainless steel that the tape dispenser is made out of. Well, now we're looking at it like we're making membrane switches here. So why not make a membrane switch for that? Which one, we're paying for every cut that we make on that stainless steel. And then also the components that are added to it. So we can now, within the faceplate of it, we can put the circuit for um, reducing cost and being more sustainable. And it's not like you're making these demonstrators, you know, in a black box and, and, and not documenting anything. Like, I mean, my, my, my impression is that, you know, you've got, a, you've got engineering drawings behind everything. You're doing performance testing on the demonstrator. So it's, you know, you, we benefit from getting some know-how from the demonstrator itself and start to publish that data. Um, one of the concepts that I saw on a, uh, a contract manufacturer's website was this concept of validated reference designs where you can have you know, a set of designs that we've kind of internally advanced those designs and have you know, the design, some of the performance criteria. And then if a brand owner wanted to say, hey, wow, we want something that's really close to that. And we're like, okay, we'll take this validated reference design you you know you just skip steps one two three and now you're starting at step four instead of step one is that you know is that fair to say that we're advancing you know creation of these of a concept of a validated reference design while we're creating demonstrators for sure so so the example i gave earlier of that stick to skin bluetooth thing um 
it's it's kind of like that. We have the the design around the Bluetooth sensor, uh, and then we have an input output that's going right now to a temperature sensor. Um, yeah. But you know, swap X with your technology, and uh, then you have a whole new sensor that's Bluetooth enabled, or for instance, other other versions of that. You know, we could do whatever type of sensor, whatever type of communication method. And once you have one, it's almost a one for one switch. Uh, of course, it's not that simple, but you already have the baseline ready to go. Yep. Yeah. So we're learning as we go, but then I guess teeing up someone to take advantage of, of what we learned. Uh, so I'm shifting gears now because you mentioned, you know, you've mentioned schooling a couple times, um, what you did or did not learn, you know, in school. And so the question of, you know, just how does that, how does that, and plus, you know, of course, workforce right now is all the rage in terms of challenge and stuff. Um, where do you see, I guess, the role of the education that you had with a double E, you know, plus plus major coming into TapeCon? Where do you see that, I guess, that impact when you joined TapeCon? How did you feel the impact or what, what have you thought about since with regards to your education? Yeah, so it's, you know, when it comes to FHE, it's it's really a pioneer's game right now. Everyone's racing to to become a manufacturer of FHE. Um, so really, there's not much academics behind it. Um, but I will say, you know, that the um, the schooling I had uh, definitely helps in the long run, especially when it comes to design work or understanding how uh, something is uh, or how something works. Uh, determining what kind of sensor we want to use, analog, digital, it helps that way. But really, you see businesses driving this FHE knowledge because it, it is—it's a pioneer, uh, pioneer's game, you know. Because um, there's not much out there on it, so we're we're in the process of learning it. Everyone else around us is learning it, but really, industry is driving it. Yeah, I mean, this is the importance of those trade associations, you know, on. Um episode one of this podcast we had len allison on and he was really big on standards some of the standards committees astm for membrane switch and it's like that was when a membrane switch was in its early infancy right and i and i think we're right there again in some aspects so obviously you know your opportunity as an employee at tapecon of course is to start getting involved in some of these associations because it does seem like if it's not going to be trailblazed at the ac academic level at least in for for the type of degree that you graduated with, it's it's kind of specialty or not maybe not justified in a particular curriculum. It's going to have to come out in these industry trade associations, all the collaboration amongst and the, and the coopetition in the industry. Is that? I guess I'm soapboxing, but do you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, I agree. And uh, you know, and it's it's really cool too, especially just speaking on behalf of TapeCon, that the additive manufacturing and additive printing is really taking a state in the electronics. So it's not no longer just these electronic manufacturers. It's also guys like us who are printing, you know, and then we can even further advance the technology of saying, what can we, what components can we print with it? Instead of, can I just do the traces? You know, can I actually print some components? Well, yeah, especially when you're hearing about all the supply chain shortages in, in this industry or the traditional component industry, it's like, Make versus buy. I think a lot of people would figure out, hey, how can we make? And additives right there. The challenge is right there, right? To to, to uh, go out and try to solve that challenge. Well, I mean, that's all I had, Raphael. And I, you know, obviously, really happy to have you. You know, 
on the team and, and involved in all these projects and kind of on the bleeding edge of this stuff. And thanks for coming on and kind of sharing your perspective on it. Is there anything that, you know, you want to say or close with or anything to wrap up on, on the, uh, on the podcast? Yeah. Well, first I appreciate you having me on here. Um, I'm excited for the way forward. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a, a really big market driver is going to be FHE and stick to skin uh, or distributed computing, as you mentioned. Um, it, it's where we're going and TapeCon's willing to, to do some investment in that journey. Um, and I think uh, good good things are, are to come from it. So I All appreciate right. I like, you I like bringing that. me on board. All right. I like that conclusion. It's good stuff. All right. Well, hey, thanks, Raphael. And I'll see you sometime very soon because we work <laughs> at the same place. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. The Better Products Podcast is about educating product teams about new materials and new technologies all in the custom material converting and printed electronic space to help them design and build better products. So in this podcast, I'm hoping to give wide-ranging conversations with various people throughout the industry and just bring a lot of good content to the table. So if you're interested in learning more about the industry, materials, processes, how to improve uh, products if you're on a product team, or just general know-how of what the heck is going on in this industry, then subscribe to the podcast and get ready for some more really good episodes as I bring in some great guests. Thanks. Thanks.